Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. What we're looking for now from our provincial uh, politicians or wannabe politicians, I guess, are our commitments. I mean, what's your plan to, to get us out of the mess that we've been in? You know, the pandemic is still ongoing. We have health issues, health care issues. Uh, it's shown us that there's a lot of concerns and weaknesses in so many different aspects of our our, our economy, and, and that includes things like health care and so many other things. So what's the plan? And uh, and how can the government actually enact some of this stuff to to our mutual benefit? Uh, well, as we all know, business is the backbone of our economy, small businesses especially, and uh, they're hurting right now. And even some of the larger businesses, of course, have been impacted by the pandemic, and they're looking for some direction uh, and help from the government too. Well, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce has uh, developed a four-point plan to support uh, business competitiveness. It's called Vote Prosperity. This is the uh, Ontario Chamber of Commerce's 2022 provincial election priority list. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Michelle Eaton. Michelle is the VP of Public Affairs with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Michelle, pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. All right, you've nailed it here. I just read your, your document over yesterday, and uh, uh, I'm hoping that somebody's listening to Queen's Park these days and, and adopts an awful lot of these things. Uh, we, we need help right now. We need government assistance, and I know the easy way during the pandemic was to simply say, okay, we're going to offer programs, we're going to offer financial assistance, uh, but we need a plan going forward here, don't we? And I, your, your document from the Ontario Chamber seems to, to touch all the bases there. Yeah, it, Bill, listen, businesses have gone through a lot throughout the pandemic and their voice needs to be front and center in the conversation for this election because they'll be integral to economic recovery. And folks that are tuned in right now would would have experienced or are still experiencing firsthand uh, effects of what happens when the business community is severely impacted. Uh, hurts the economy, then people feel it at the grocery stores and the pumps. So we're bringing a nonpartisan and independent perspective that might be refreshing amidst all the political mudslinging that we're in the middle of. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know what? That's only going to get worse as time gets closer to the election itself. Uh, and, and, and to your point, uh, this the document, because I think this is an important point about this the nonpartisan attitude that the Ontario Chamber has always taken, really. Uh, you're not pointing the finger of blame at anybody here. You're just saying this is where we are right now. Uh, you want to debate how we got there, That knock yourself out. But how do we get from where we are to, to back to some sense of prosperity? That seems to be the focus here. Absolutely. And it, it's really, I mean, if the folks that are listening right now want to know why they should care, which I think is really important, the pandemic has been particularly harmful to our small business owners that are crucial to our economy. And, the, and they're still grappling with the ongoing impacts of the pandemic, including cash flow constraints and the increased cost of doing business. But like this, the numbers are, are big. 98% of our close to 400,000 businesses in this provinces are small and medium enter enterprises. So in national terms, Ontario is home to more than one third of Canada's SME employer businesses. And together, these folks supply 2.9 million Ontarians with employment. That's nearly half of all the employment in the province. So if they fail, we fail. And fundamentally, when costs go up for business, they have to make choices. Does it go onto their product? Do they need to cut staff? Or do they operate at a loss? These are things that people should be really thinking about when they're, they're looking at what the different parties are offering. Well, and I know that governments, both federal and provincial governments, have, have tried to weigh in on this. And, and uh, there's, there have been some winners and losers here when they've developed some of these policies. Uh, but one of the first things you guys talk about here is let's develop a, a sense of communication here. 
uh, between the business community and, and, the, and the provincial government in situations like this. Uh, you know, they've already talked about, for instance, increasing the minimum wage. Uh, most people are going to think, hey, that's a great idea. But have they talked to small business about, okay, here's how we want to do this. Uh, we know this is going to have an impact on your bottom line initially. Uh, so how can we help you to, to adjust to this? And that's, that's an important dialogue, isn't it? It is important that there's a conversation with the business community uh, when government's bringing in uh, big changes. Fundamentally, uh, some of the things we're going to be looking for is uh, policies or legislation that could have a large impact on business. Um, things like minimum wage, we're in favor of predictable minimum wage increases that are planning consultation. Uh, the majority of our members uh, pay their workers above minimum wage. And those those wages have really gone up during the pandemic because uh, the cost of living is going up. Um, at the same like at the same time, many businesses are still grappling with the ongoing impacts of the pandemic with those cash flow constraints. But it's just really important that government has a dialogue and that they consult thoroughly and that they use evidence based uh, information when they're making decisions that will impact business and fundamentally that impacts uh, you know, the average consumer and cost of living. I mean, let's talk about that for a bit, because I think that's going to be one of our, our election discussions that will um, permeate uh, the the elect electorate uh, leading up to the June uh, vote date. But, you know, in March, Canadian consumer prices increased by 6.7%. That was the largest increase since January 1991. And that's kind of a mix of Canadian housing markets, the supply constraints, geopolitical conflict, and, you know, if people are feeling at the pumps, they're feeling it in agriculture, they're feeling it everywhere. Well, sure. I mean, you know, the, the, those delivery trucks that are backing up in front of Sobeys or wherever it is, uh, I mean, if their fuel costs are going up, the price of the food's going to go up, and the price of transporting that food to market is going to go up. So it's had an impact on us all along. Uh, and that's, I think, what, what this document is talking about here, isn't it, Michelle? That let's have a, a comprehensive plan that covers all the bases. And and I know that we've heard in the past from governments that, well, you know, small business and big business uh, have different goals, and they don't really. I mean, the goal is to be economically viable uh, as much as possible. And, you know, maybe a big business can can think more long-term, but, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the small businesses in, in, in our neighborhood, in any neighborhood right now, that are hurting right now. And they're thinking, you know, I, I, we're in a big financial hole right now. How do we get out of this? We want to stay open. We want to hire more people. Uh, but we've got this this huge burden right now. And, and the government's got to address that. Yeah, and the, the pandemic has been so, it's, the pandemic and resulting economic crisis has been so, uh, it's created this unstable environment. So that, that theme of unpredictability, uh, whether it comes from shutdowns or inflation, labor shortages, supply chain backlogs, this is all just putting so much pressure on your employer community. Um, I do find what we've looked at in, the, in some of our data that small businesses continue to be preoccupied with your day-to-day -day cost pressures, whereas larger have been more focused on kind of long-term infrastructure, regulatory, and workforce development issues. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, their biggest concerns have been throughout the pandemic are, are small business owners that have really suffered um, and and just had the most difficult time. Some of the stories I heard throughout the pandemic just broke my heart. Well, and, and we've heard those too, as we've talked to small businesses in, in London and, and Hamilton and, and all over the province for that matter, over the last two and a half years or so. Uh, and, and part of that is, you know, the provincial government has had some pro support programs, so did the federal government. 
but I mean, one of the provincial programs, and I don't know, I've talked with Rocco Rossi from the chamber about this a number of times, uh, it was, well, you can defer your taxes. I mean, we understand that you have cash flow problems right now because of the pandemic. So you do. Well, that's all that's done is increase the debt to those small businesses. I mean, it, it might have been short term relief, but now they're saying, you know, I, I owe two and a half years of taxes. now. Where am I going to find the money for this? We're still having supply problems and we're still having income problems and revenue problems. Uh, there's got to be a discussion about how are you going to help small business get out of that hole that they found themselves in through no fault of theirs. Uh, and and um, we're not blaming the government necessarily. We're simply saying, what are you going to do to help now? Let's let's talk about going forward. And and I know you know Rocco has talked, and you and I have talked in the past about uh, you know debt forgiveness for some of these businesses, small businesses especially, uh, that need to start off with a clean slate to try to get out of here. Uh, and and we need to hear those discussions, and we need to see just where the government's heads are when it comes to things like this. Absolutely. And there's so many business owners that I spoke to that were that said to me, listen, Michelle, I should have just folded in because they have so much mounting debt right now. And it's really important that governments uh, or the new government that is elected in June, uh, that they're they're looking at what kind of support they can give to some of those hardest hit sectors uh, that are still really feeling the impacts such as tourism. That would be a key one. Um mm-hmm and what they can do to support those folks. Another area that I find, uh, we we do an annual report called the Ontario Economic Report that surveys um, thousands of businesses and gets their perspectives on different things. And in the the results in that were kind of staggering. We saw that 62% of sectors are facing labor shortages in Ontario and expect to continue facing them over the next year. So this is having real life consequences on the, the cost of living, service delivery and product availability. Uh, so making sure that uh, whoever's whoever comes into power in June, they, they really need to be looking at how they can expand immigration intakes and get, uh, you know, solve that uh, employer uh, or that uh, labor force mismatch that we're having. It's a really competitive labor market right now. Um, and people can't find, we, 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 need, we need folks, we need people. Yeah. Well, and I know you address that too when you talk about, uh, for instance, uh, working with the federal government. Uh, as you mentioned, whoever is going to form the next government here in Ontario, uh, there has to be an immigration plan uh, because we know that we're going to have to rely on immigration to fill a number of those vacancies right now. And, and you can't sit back. I don't care if you're, you know, an Ontario government, a New Brunswick government, doesn't matter. You can't sit back and simply say, well, that's the Fed's problem. We'll just make sure that they do something. There's got to be more of a sense of cooperation here to solve some of these problems. And, and that's a key part of this. And, and some of the other stuff here, by the way, uh, for this, uh, we'll give the, the website address later on so they can read this for themselves. Uh, these are not new ideas. Some of these are ideas that you've been talking about for years now, and, and the government has not done a whole lot about it. Uh, and one of the ones that jumps out at me right now is do something about the barriers with interprovincial trade. Uh, it costs sometimes more to get something out of BC than it does to get uh, because of tariffs than to get something from from you know offshore. Uh, that that's got to be you know we're we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting small businesses when we do this and i don't know how many times michelle if i had a buck for every time a politician's promised they were going to do something about it i'd be a wealthy guy uh but i'm not because they haven't done much about it and that's got to be addressed it's such a no-brainer for for us that yeah uh, removing those barriers to interprovincial trade and labor mobility there's that creates millions of dollars for the economy 
and it's something that they could do, even the province could do unilaterally with another province. You've seen that in other uh, regions of the world where they've done unilateral calls. It's something they could work with the federal government on. Uh, there's been so many, there's been so much uh, cooperation and collaboration throughout the pandemic. Um, and I, I would love to see that going forward uh, between the different levels of government and the different parties. Uh, but interprovincial trade and labor mobility is definitely one of the, the topics that uh, we would love to see addressed eventually. Uh, maybe not gimmicky enough for, for an election uh, campaign. But I, I actually want to, Bill, I wanted to go back to a, a topic that you brought up because we also realized throughout the pandemic, we can't have a strong business community without a resilient healthcare system. Yeah. And uh, th th this needs to be a priority um, in, in Ontario. Um, it, you know, we need to see a health human resources strategy, uh, pandemic preparedness. And I feel like every time we've gone through some major um, health crisis, we always say we're going to prepare to go ahead. Uh, and that never gets, and then, and then it gets left and the next crisis comes and we're like, oh, see doodle. Um, even making virtual healthcare permanent. Like, that that's made so much sense for so many folks, right? Um, yeah, and, and so as you and I've talked about in the past, the, the the pandemic has actually shone the light on a lot of our shortcomings, and healthcare was one of them. Uh, and that's got to be fixed. We can't just say, well, thank God we're out of this pandemic. By the way, we're not yet, but when we get to that point, no. we can't just go on as business as usual because it's it's only going to happen again if we do. Absolutely, that's exactly it. Um, so hoping, hoping to see, uh, and and I think healthcare will be a, a big topic that uh, permeates the election. You know, the the pandemic, rising cost of living, um, uh, housing affordability is another one. Uh, I think those are some of the key issues that we're we're going to see during the full election. And you know, one of the other things too that uh, that I've talked about with a number of small business folks around this area, uh, and I'm glad you included this in here, is fast track the rollout of broadband internet. Uh, for private sector investments. Uh, we, I guess, in Southern Ontario, and our listeners in London and Hamilton and, and right through Southern Ontario, we, we kind of take the internet for granted here because we've got pretty good service here. Uh, but there are large pieces of, of this province that don't have a good internet service, don't have reliable internet service, and that's hurting businesses. It's hurting small businesses in those areas, uh, and the province has to address that. Broadband, and I'm from southwestern Ontario originally as well. I'm from Norfolk County, and my parents are actually in a, a last mile home. Uh, broadband's important for so many businesses, small businesses that uh, tried to get online during the pandemic. Uh, your, your farmers, a, a lot of them need agriculture because a lot of things have been, um, uh, uh, the, the, the technology they're using requires it. Uh, it's such a it's, it's such a barrier for business. It's it's an infrastructure that we need just as much as roads and uh, bridges anymore. Uh, and we've seen some work from the province and the feds uh, related to broadband. But there's there's more things that can be done. We hope to see the the pressure continue uh, to build and to make sure that there's no one left behind in the province. Well, and as we've talked about in the past, the pandemic kind of forced us into this. I mean, if, I think we were going to get, eventually get into that, but I mean, online business uh, was was there, but it, it was not predominant. And it has been for the last couple of years uh, because of the pandemic and because of lockdowns. Uh, and I, I understand we're going to try to get back to normal and we still want to have people go through the front door and, and purchase stuff on site. But online business, is, it's here with us and it's here to stay in some way, shape or form. 
Uh, and basically, if the government doesn't act on this internet concern right now, uh, you're shutting a number of businesses out of the possibility of, of long-term viability. That's just not fair. Well, we've seen a number of businesses that were born in the pandemic through online yeah. services and have done really well. We did a report uh, a couple of years ago just looking at some of those businesses that pivoted their business model, uh, got online with the, the support of grants that were made available. Um, and there should be more. That's a great incentive to help make uh, Ontario businesses globally competitive and uh, something that the next government should keep as a priority. Yeah, and it's 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 key to, to these sorts of things. And like I say, you've touched on so many other things uh, that, that are so important here. And, you know, we need to learn from what's happened over the last couple of years. Uh, and, and that's, I think, one of the, the, the foundations of, of the document that you put out here. Uh, I, I just remind our listeners, you just go and, and Google Ontario Chamber of Commerce uh, and uh, the, the report will be there, too. It's, it's, it's basically a, a list of suggestions here as to what government should be looking at. And I would encourage, by the way, anybody who's running for office, in this provincial election, whatever your party affiliation, uh, read this. It's called Vote Prosperity, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce's uh, 2022 provincial election priorities. Uh, and they're, as you mentioned, Michelle, they're priorities for all of us, even if you're not a small business person or a large business, whatever the case might be, uh, it impacts all of us because we're all consumers of, of a variety of things here, including healthcare. And uh, we need some direction on this. Uh, as always, uh, great to have you back on the program. Uh, good luck with this, and hopefully we can be talking again down the road about how uh, the, the next government is is embracing some of these things uh, for the betterment of all of us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.